Dave, how are you doing today? Really good. Uh, really well. I uh, Lauren's uh, article on her uh, uh, juggling outfit uh, got all uh, is out mm-hmm. on opensource.com. And uh, Todd Warner was was uh, he jumped all over it, correcting Lauren, saying that they are juggling clubs and not pins. So thanks, Todd. Oh my God! What a nerd! What a nerd! <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. But I. It, he was all happy with it, and but uh, he's like, "Oh, make sure she doesn't. I'm not hurting her feelings and all that with that." So we'll we'll submit a, a fix to get that up, that all addressed. Okay, cool. Well, and uh, Todd Warner, for those of you uh, who don't know him, is the uh, product manager for Red Hat Network Satellite. Um, mm-hmm. So and he's and he's about to have a, a Satellite Six release, right? Um, coming up here and coming up in here a little bit, so um, he can be forgiven for for being a little on edge. Uh, he's he's very yep. detail oriented at the moment, uh, so yeah, which is a good thing. Yes, it's a very good thing. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. Let's see. How are you doing? Oh yeah, no, I'm doing great. I uh, so I'm traveling again this week. I was in D.C. for that uh, lowering cost of government IT summit, which went great. It was a good talk. Um, and for those of you interested in what I had to say, if you missed it in the last episode, I talked about talked about 18F and U.S. Digital Service, and I did a whole blog post about it. So uh, we'll include a link to that uh, blog post again uh, in the show notes. But so I was in town talking to this thing, and uh, I lately uh, I've been traveling uh, with uh, pajamas, Dave. Um, I don't know if you're a pajama wearer, but I have historically not been a pajama wearer. Um, like in uh, in airports. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, like um, on an airplane and all that. Because mm-hmm. you know what's more important than uh, decorum uh, or etiquette is uh, being comfortable. So I right. uh, I prefer to wear pajamas. And if people have a problem with that, Dave, that's that's up to them. That's on them. That's right. their problem. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that's right. They're just so, jealous. So I get, in, get, in, get into my seat, take my shoes off, put them up on the seat in front of me, and so forth. Um, yeah, cut your toenails. Cut my toenails. So uh, the reason why I mention it is uh, because I have, maybe it's just because I'm very quickly approaching 40, but I'm now suddenly becoming very, very comfortable with the notion of having pajamas as uh, like a thing that you put on before you go to bed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't think I've actually worn, formally worn like purpose-built pajamas since I was like five. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, but my lovely wife actually got me a beautiful pair of like Don Draper style like mm-hmm. four real button down pajamas with like piping and the whole thing, um, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, you know, it was a nice, almost, almost like a gag gift, but then I started wearing them. I was like, oh, this is amazing. Um, so I'm going to strongly recommend not just any pajamas, but specifically the Derek Rose pajamas. Um, they are, they are a little spendy, uh, but I assure you that they are worth the money. Um, uh, I am very much enjoying uh, traveling and uh, not touching, uh, you know, bed bugs or scabies or whatever else is uh trapped in this uh hotel bed um i am insulated and protected in this uh um, in these new pajamas so yeah nice. strongly endorsed yeah so i saw the link and I, I went to the link and i was in bef- like while the page was loading and i'm like imagining like what pajamas would you endorse and and these are it i mean i'm looking at them <laughs> and, like I, I could picture you wearing these with a pipe and and maybe a nightcap <laughs> right you know, yeah, with, yeah. with some maybe some brandy and uh, you know yeah, just exactly yeah, by a fire. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. it's right right up my alley. And uh, and in fact, she she also was good enough to get me uh, uh, a set of uh, loafers or uh, I guess oh, uh, night slippers. slippers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, I'm, yeah. So like little wool line slippers. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. delightful, 
Very yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, pajamas are great. That's uh, that's the headline there. Nice. So nice. Dave, Dave, what do we get? Uh, what are what are we talking about on the show today? This is going to be a scary episode. Um, we're going to talk about mm-hmm. uh, vampire plants. We're going to talk about spider oaks, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about mm-hmm. ultrasonic potatoes. Nice. Mm-hmm. I like this. I love it when we have a theme. I love it. Yeah. Uh, it makes me so happy. Um, so if people want to learn more, Dave, about these uh, plant horrors, uh, where, what website should they visit? They need to go immediately, and, and also to see these these pajamas. Um, they need to go to uh, dgshow.org, <laughs> so D's and Dave, G's and Gunner, show.org. And so what's on the cutting room floor? Yeah, so I found this. Uh, there's a uh, Google put a new paper out uh, uh, on this Google Mesa project, and it gives some kind of insight um, onto how the this is the database that holds all of Google's ad data, um, and it's worth reading just to see the scale at which these guys work. So we're talking about databases with trillions of rows, petabytes of data, um, point queries with a 99th percentile latency uh, that's only in the hundreds of milliseconds. Um, and the overall query throughput is measured in the trillions of rows fetched a day. Uh, it's just like mind blowing. Wow. Um, and then you add on to that, that the fact that it's spread out over like a, a broad geography, mm-hmm. right? It's like spread out over multiple data centers around the world with strong consistency and uh, repeatable query results, even if it has to span multiple data centers. And finally, no single point of failure. It's just like this universal data sucker um mm-hmm. it just it's uh uh it's just mind-blowing um so anyway i encourage folks to take to take a look at the uh, at the paper it's just it's mind-bending um nobody else works like this it's just crazy. That, that we know of that we know of that's right yes uh, uh yeah nice nice segue by the way mm-hmm. um so, uh, so tell me, what's what's the latest in uh, what's the latest in ultrasound? Yeah, so a uh, friend of the show, Matt Mycini, sent us this, where they're they're trying to do, people are doing uh, ultrasonic with everything. So it's like they're adding ultrasonic capabilities to Chromecast and and even stuff with you know cell phones and all that, and using that as the uh, communications mechanism, which surprises me that it's like oh that. Uh, Chromecast can do ultrasonic that the hardware is in there to do that. And it's like, wow, I didn't, you would think they would have to have like a microphone in there um, to begin with. And I guess it did. Right. Right. Well, and I guess, I guess the thing about ultrasound is, you know, what makes it ultra is just that we can't hear it. Yes. Um, That doesn't mean it's hard to do. It just means that our ears can't do it. Right. So um, uh, the thing that, the thing that uh, gave me pause uh, is this thing about uh, listening uh, to conversations uh, through uh, potato chip bags. Yes. Uh, did you see this article? Um, yeah, and this has me reaching for my portable travel Faraday cage mm-hmm. um, or my Faraday pajamas. Yes. Uh, and and uh, so basically the idea is um, if, if there's a bag of potato chips in the room, uh, just by observing the potato chip bag and seeing the sounds resonate off of it, you can with just like a consumer level, like regular plain vanilla camera, you can actually listen to the uh, you can actually listen to the conversation, which is crazy town. Yep, just totally wild. Yeah, yeah, and I <clears throat> I wonder if uh, um, it it would work on a tinfoil hat as well. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <clears throat> Irony. Mm-hmm. That's ironic. Um, okay, so. Uh, 
So on hearing this news, I've ripped all the microphones out of my hotel room, I've ripped all the speakers out of my hotel room, and eliminated all the potato chip bags, so now there are no other vectors for surveillance. Fantastic. Right, now, now you're totally safe, and, and we can keep recording the podcast with the microphone you're not <laughs> talking into. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's right because I'm because I'm recording the podcast on my new gyroscope microphone. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, yeah, so that that was another thing that uh, that came out is that uh, the gyroscopes in your phone could uh, allow you to do eavesdropping, and and I guess it was like on on iOS there's like a sampling rate of like 100 hertz, and then with um, uh, with with the Android OS it's like 200. So 200 samples a second. And they were able to read the sensors in the gyroscope and then be able to, um, it wasn't perfect because, right, you know, because like audible voices in the 8,000 hertz range, um, but they were actually able to pull out things like numbers and, you know, like people reading like a credit card number sort of thing and with a, a fair degree of accuracy and being able to, to tell who in, in uh, conversation was speaking at the time and all that. Um, so I, I thought that was that was pretty wild. And um, one of the other things is that with, I guess, the way it, with at least Android, um, you don't need to, like in the permission settings that nobody looks at whenever they install the apps, um, There, there's like a regular old web page, I guess, can um, get the sensor information in high resolution from um, from a web browser, like like I guess like Firefox running on Android. And and so it, it, you know so you could go to a web page and it could you know it, you could it, I guess I don't know HTML5 read that data back and do something with it um, but it's it's pretty crazy so you don't even need to install an app to uh, to um, access the uh, that data. So here's my question: Is do I own any machines that don't betray me? Do they do, do they, are they all conspiring against me? Um, yeah. What if Dave I were to uh, what if I were to get rid of all the machines in my possession, right? Yep. Um, and it's just me in my Faraday pajamas, mm -hmm. and, uh, and and I'm in my garden, right? Right. Uh, would that would that be sufficient protection to keep any kind of stray signals from from getting out there? Right, because it's it's organic, right? It's all it's all natural. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So mm -hmm. um, the problem there that they discovered is that there's. Um, there's, uh, I think it's it's called the uh, yeah like some sort of vampire plant that will wrap its wrap itself around a victim like another plant and then suck all the nutrients out of it. But while it's sucking all the nutrients and basically killing that plant, um, it is uh, it's actually communicating with that plant as it's uh, absorbing all of its uh, nutrients out of it and and using the uh, the messenger RNA. And so it's, it's this this messenger RNA is is constantly being exchanged between uh, the host and and the the you know the uh, the, the vampire plant and uh, but they don't know what they're talking about um, as that's going down. So that's that's like a movie script waiting to happen, right? Yeah, I was gonna say, do you have any do you have any uh, do you have any ideas of, of what those plants might be saying to each other? Because this sounds an awful lot like uh, some people I dated in high school. <laughs> Speaking of that, I got uh, so in Netflix this week. I, I got in the mail uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey. So that that's highly uh, relevant to uh, this conversation. And oh, speaking of that, um, do, do you know about Hal and and the word Hal? This is the computer protagonist of uh, of 2001: A Space Odyssey. 
or antagonist. Uh, I spoiled it. Um, right. So, <laughs> <their> antagonist. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, Howl 9000 H A L. Um, if you take the H, the A, and the L, and then you add, uh, you, you go to the next letter in the alphabet, it spells out IBM. Speaking of uh, speaking of mind control, um, you found this uh, you found this article on some kind of open source mind control device. Yeah, yeah. So while while you know the plants are talking to you and everything, um, you can have uh, your devices read your mind. Um, so there's there's a new thing that's out that um, you could you could it's all open source and um, you basically put these sensors on your head and you can actually. Uh, provide input into and use use your brain waves as input devices and it's all open source so there's a video that um that shows uh, a guy controlling a a wireless robot um uh, that i guess it's an arduino powered robot or something like that but but he was using his like alpha waves and beta waves to make it uh, turn around and move forward and backward and everything wow wow that's really really cool that's great. I mean, I've I've always seen footage of you know like in a lab setting, um, somebody you know with electrodes strapped to themselves and like controlling a like a car or something like that. You know, we've talked about this. We've talked about was the fish powered car. I keep forgetting it was a fish or a hamster. Um, but the uh, the idea that this is now such a solved problem that it can actually be in you know like an open source interface um, is really pretty sweet. That's pretty great. Yeah, and you can like buy the the input device for like four hundred bucks or something like that. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So, so, Dave, so Dave, uh, I'm I'm now complete. I'm now shaking. I'm so freaked out um, that I fear my even my Faraday pajamas are going to be insufficient to protect my uh, my communication channels. Um, what other uh, what other remedies are available to me? Yeah. So for your Yahoo Mail account that I'm sure you have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're they're starting to, <laughs> yeah. which, I, which I will now have to reset the password on. <laughs> yeah, um, they're I guess they're going to start doing uh, PGP encryption in in their mail service as well. That is wonderful. That is really really great. So that makes both Google and Yahoo are going to be supporting PGP encryption through their webmail client, which is just tremendous. Um, that's so good. I'm, you know, I'm really excited to see how they do the interfaces for these because, you know, for years, PGP has been around for a long time. And if you're a, you know, super nerd, like, like myself, um, even using PGP casually, um, but really, you know, PGP tends to confuse people, um, when they, uh, uh, when they're not familiar with it or if they haven't been trained to use it. Um, so I'm really curious what, from a, like a user experience perspective, how both Yahoo and Google are going to be delivering this feature. Um, you know, can they boil it down so that it's just like a lock that you, you know, kind of lock or unlock on the interface, or is it going to be, uh, is it going to be more kind of geeky than that? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really interested. That'd be neat to see. Yeah. Like imagine like the, the average, you know, grandma, uh, you know, that, that is like, they're, they're not super duper, um, uh, you know, with the key signing parties and all that, they're going to think the kids are up to something, you know, um, you know, it's just. <laughs> right. Right. Oh yeah. I didn't even think about that. How are you going to do key signing? Um, mm-hmm. cause, uh, you know, yeah. Cause key signing parties are, uh, man, they're boring. Uh, they're not very good parties, uh, just as parties go. Anyway, um, speaking of uh, speaking of web services that, uh, uh, that you've lost the password to, um, I see that <laughs> AOL still has an alarming number of dial up subscribers. Yeah, two point three million. <laughs> That's crazy. 
Who are these people? Probably the people with Yahoo mail accounts. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, yeah, I guess there are people that are still paying and, and it's it's going down. I guess last quarter was like 2.5 million or something. So there's a slow erosion away from dial up. And maybe there are people that, um, you know, that don't have access to broadband and, and they're still doing dial up, you know, like they're they're far away or where, you know, uh, uh, across a digital divide uh, and don't have access. But that's that's crazy. Can you imagine using dial-up? It, it, it's like nowadays, it's like crazy. I guess the only way I can imagine this working is like, yeah, there may be some edge cases where people still maintain dial-up accounts, which like, make, okay, cool, that makes sense. Um, but my one, the, I was trying to explain this to myself, and I think one reason for this might be people who are so wedded to their AOL.com email addresses that, and they feel like they can only no. maintain that address if they maintain the dial-up account. Like they can't, in their minds, they don't disentangle yeah. the two. I think that may be, that may explain part of it too. Mm-hmm. But bananas, just totally crazy. Um, and I guess that explains why AOL isn't implementing PGP encryption on their webmail client. <laughs> They're still, they got to solve yeah. the dial-up and problem first. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it's like six, what is it? $607 million in sales in the last quarter. Yeah, in one quarter, which is bonkers. Half a billion, more than half a billion dollars just for dial-up. It's like amazing. I'm going to get in the dial-up business. This seems lucrative and, and mm-hmm. ready for disruption. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. And then, uh, oh, uh, Spider Oak, the uh, Dropbox alternative, um, which is a very kind of security-minded mm-hmm. uh, uh Dropbox alternative. They just implemented a warrant canary. Um, it, Dave, do you want to tell folks yep. what, about about warrant canary? I think we may have talked about it on the show before, but um, do you have a, do you want to give the like thirty seconds on what a warrant canary is? Yeah, yeah. And so, like a warrant canary, we, we yeah we have talked about it in the past, where um, you basically put a uh, you basically say uh, so if it's illegal. For you to say that the government has served you with papers to provide data, um, you know that's okay. That's okay, but it's not illegal to say that you haven't. And so, if you say that you haven't, and then all of a sudden you take that sign down that says that you know that that you have that everything is not okay, or or if you take down the so you come up with a sign that says everything's okay, mm-hmm. um, and and if. Um, and then all of a sudden, if everything is not okay, you could take that sign down. And that's that's a, a basically a warrant canary. Right, right. And so by taking down this sign that says, uh, they have a sign which will say, uh, we have never been served by a warrant from a federal agency. And then someday that disappears off their webpage. Then that's a kind of a, a back, uh, kind of a backdoor way of saying, uh, we have in fact been served by a warrant by a federal agency without running afoul of uh, the Patriot Act. Right, and explicitly saying that you have been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, let's see. Let's see. So, you know, it's interesting to see all these companies reacting to, and these are all like directly because of Snowden, right? Um, so you know, Yahoo doing mm-hmm. PGP, Google doing PGP, um, uh, Warrant Canaries, uh, stuff like that. Uh, and then Google just did. I think this is so smart. I was really, I, I'm just, I'm really impressed with this. You know, Google famously has this uh, has this algorithm uh, that determines what's relevant in your search results, and they weigh you know dozens of different factors to figure out what's going to be most relevant or who should appear at the top of the rankings. And they are actually going to add uh, the presence or absence of 
uh, SSL of a secure web connection um, to influence the ranking so that more secure websites will actually appear uh, closer to the top, um, which mm -hmm. is just wonderful. Um, and I was trying to think of a downside to this policy, and I can't think of it. Um, it's uh, mm -hmm. it just seems like a it seems like a pure good. Um, uh, yeah, I was just really impressed and so clever. What a, what a wonderful way to incent the internet uh, to actually implement SSL. It's really cool. Yep. No, I agree. And I, I think that, um, well, so right now that, that weighting is very, 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 very small. Um, but they, they are probably going to, uh, you know, expand that over time. And, and I guess in addition to boosting the rankings, I guess the belief is that if it's a secure site, you know, that it's probably not like a spammer or, um, you know, people actually had to pay money to put, uh, to get the certificate to put it up there. And so it's a way to uh, take a lot of the, the noise and, and not index that and, and give that credence as much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and, and have you heard of the, I think it's HSTS, I think is the, uh, I think the protocol. So um, this is related to, to what we're talking about here because uh, it's great to have something in SSL, but if you were to go to say dgshow.org, right? Um, right now that would be unencrypted because I don't, I haven't put an SSL certificate on it, but, um, okay, bad example. Let me try again. So if you were to go to Yahoo and you were to say, go to www.yahoo.com and not put the HTTPS in front, it would by default go to a, uh, an unencrypted link, but then you would get redirected to a secure link, right? Uh, Google does the, Google mm -hmm. does the same thing, but, uh, people were concerned because, uh, even just making that one connection, uh, has announced to anyone listening on the line that you were visiting that particular website. Uh, and so there is a mm -hmm. protocol uh, or there's, a, there's another way of doing this which basically pre-announces that when you visit this particular domain or this set of domains, always connect to it through SSL and never connect to it through an unencrypted connection, uh, which prevents the information oh. from leaking after that first redirection. Now, this is obviously super complicated. Like you need to have your browser actually needs a database in it to know which domains are SSL only and which ones can be... Uh, which ones can be flipped, um, and the the registration process that for this is a little bit a little bit crazy. Like in Google's case, you go to a web form and like fill out the web form with all the list of all the domains, and you do some kind of like proof that you own those domains. And once they have the domains and proof that you own them, it will then order Google Chrome uh, to always connect to them over SSL, uh, which seems like a little bit janky. But it, it, it hearing that there was a solution to this problem, it made me realize that that was a problem in the first place, right? Because um, uh, obviously mm -hmm. some SSL is better than none, but e but this idea that even your initial connection before it's been redirected to the to the secure one uh, can also leak data about you, uh, I thought that was pretty pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty cool. So anyway, so Dave, have you done anything to secure your your home router? Yeah, I well, <clears throat> so there, there are a couple things. One is that I I have the one that uh, my internet provider provides right mm -hmm. so it's you know the, the gateway that's connected uh and then i have a um i have another router plugged into that so it's almost like uh, like I'm, I'm i'm double bagging it um mm -hmm. as far as you know if somebody's going to get through one they have another router that's a different vendor and a different brand to get through mm -hmm. um and i i try pretty hard to keep it up to date but you know keeping um Keeping the router up to date is not often the easiest thing uh, for a couple reasons. One is that sometimes you have 
the vendor abandonment where, you know, that manufacturer of the router just end of life's it and yeah. you don't get updates for it anymore, even though there are security holes in it. Or it's stuff like um, you're running things like DDWRT where you got to, again, reflash the router. And that that's risky. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't back it up right and then you've got to restore all the settings. And I, I do all kind of crazy things on, you know, as far as you know, mapping Mac addresses to IP addresses. So it's like kind of static and everything. And, and so it's like, I'm, I, I'll update it, but I'm not like super aggressive in terms of updating it. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I, it sounds like you and I do, do, do it in a similar way. And I mean, one of my frustrations is that the, the router vendors, even when they are supporting the software, um, I know for a f- I mean, I'm sure that there are all kinds of vulnerabilities in my home router, just like in everyone else's. And, um, you know, working for Red Hat, like we're accustomed to putting out, you know, security fixes, you know, weekly sometimes. Um, and it's delivered automatically yep. and it's really easy to find out when they're available. Um, compare and contrast with, you know, having to go through some, you know, router vendors, flash based knowledge base articles to figure out what version of the firmware you need to download. Um, it's, it's, it's a real pain. Um, it's, uh, it's, they make it even, even for the devoted, it's, uh, they make it really difficult to, to stay current. Um, on the router software. Um, so yeah, so I have uh, kind of, you know, a number of routers uh, layered out. Um, and I've even toyed with the idea of like putting an intrusion detection system of some kind um, on there. Uh, but have you played with like the the open source router software like OpenWRT or DDWRT? Yep, both, both actually. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm using DDWRT literally right now as I'm speaking through it. Um, and uh, I got another one where I, I put OpenWRT on it for fun, and I'm just comparing and contrasting. But mm-hmm. I could tell that in both cases, these guys are more about, you know, um, they're, the the web UIs aren't as pretty as they could be. I don't think, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, right. but it, but I, I mean, yeah. it, I'm not using it for that pretty much. You know, it it does the job. Sure. So, the, so uh, sorry. So the reason why I asked is yeah. How about how about you? Do you? Oh no, I haven't actually. I haven't played with them, and mostly that's you know sloth. Um, I'm I'm hoping mm-hmm. that uh, I'm hoping just you know by having like a layered approach that that I'm I'm doing good enough. Yeah, and and part of it was, you know, hey, I could try it and let's see what happens. But the the other thing is that you could do things with it that you can't do with the stock firmware. So like um. The routers that I have have USB ports that, um, well, it, you know, it could you could turn it into like a maybe a Windows share or something like that. But um, but if you put some of the other stuff on, it could be an NFS server or an FTP server or you know, it, oh, it could yeah. do a lot of different things. I really haven't played with as much. I mm-hmm. I use it as a, a print server um, for a, an old USB inkjet printer I have, but uh, and it, that works pretty well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Huh. Neat. So the, the, the reason why I asked is, uh, is because, um, at DEF CON, I guess it was last week, maybe two weeks ago, um, Dan Gear, uh, who's an incredibly smart guy and is the, uh, chief information security officer at InQtel, which is like the, the CIA's venture capital mm-hmm. company. So he did this uh, kind of state of the union type address. Uh, was it DEF CON or black? No, it was at black hat. Um, and uh, he, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and he called out uh, home routers as kind of a major vector, you know, something that is, uh, you know, like a real problem on the internet. And I, just based on you and I are pretty security minded, 
Um, and uh, even we have a hard time keeping our software up to date and keeping it patched and, and stuff like that. So I can mm -hmm. see uh, why that would be the case. Um, he also made this proposal, which I know is uh, kind of red meat for us. Um, he's saying that the U.S. should be buying zero-day vulnerabilities uh, from hackers. Um, in other words, uh, pay people to exploit software um, and send those exploits uh, over to us. Um, and now we talked mm -hmm. a little bit about this with uh, Dr. David Wheeler um, uh, mm -hmm. a few months ago, right? Um, and he was he was skeptical on it. I'm, I'm just not even sure how this market would work. I don't know. Have you have you game through this in your mind? Have you um, have you thought about the how this how the structure would work? Because um, it's not clear to me. Yeah. Well. Well, yeah. And what's weird is that um, you know he's he's basically saying oh, like one of the quotes is that and maybe this is he's just trying to stimulate conversation, but he's saying that we should pay ten times the market price for zero day vulnerabilities. But the moment you make the price ten times the market value, now the market value is ten times what it was and now it's what right. you want to pay for it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So and and so and if it gets to the point that um they will they always want to be the number one bidder, it's almost like an eBay thing, right? Where mm -hmm. um, you know, if you want to be the highest bidder, well, if I really wanted to jack the price up, I could be the the guy that comes up with the hack, but I could also have somebody uh on the other side like bidding um, you know, bidding it up to be, you know, to always be, you know, to leapfrog what the, the, um, the U S government price is. So to mm -hmm. just keep jacking the price up and then, um, and so, you know, why, why couldn't that happen? I, I'd love to get an economist take on this. Yeah. And I, I guess he's, well, what he's trying to do is, uh, there's, a, I'm sure there's, yeah, I would love to get an economist take on it because what he's talking about is, uh, um, uh, predatory pricing, right? Um, so, but kind mm -hmm. of, in, but the kind of upside down predatory pricing, like what he's doing is saying like, we can outbid anybody in the world. And so we can give the hackers the financial incentive they want uh, to develop the exploits um, and they'll give them to us. They will get paid. So they're happy. Um, and now we get to release them out to the world um, and thereby like making them useless, right? Because as soon as we release the zero day, um, uh, to the world, then companies will be able to patch it, right? Um, mm -hmm. I think that would probably take care of the mercenaries, probably wouldn't take care of kind of the ideologically motivated hackers, of which there are, you know, not as many as the mercenaries, True. but I mean, there are, it's the, it certainly would kind of drain the pool, so to speak, um, at least for a time. Um, and I guess his argument is, uh, no matter how expensive it is, it's not as expensive as an exploit, right? Um, right, yes. Yeah, and but what about you know the other thing that I noticed too is like for the should it be one government doing this or should it be like some sort of international consortium because you know would other countries trust the U.S. of being the keepers of this you know right. uh, piece of malware or or this exploit and how do we know they're not holding something back and all that? Yeah, but see, but then if you do a consortium, then you have like a uh, then you have a, like, a collective action problem. Like you have like a, a prisoner's dilemma, right? Because um, as soon as one person defects mm -hmm. from that consortium and doesn't play by the rules, then then the whole the whole game goes away, right? Um, I think. Yeah. Is that true? So I, this is why we need an Again, economist. we need to get an economist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. But I mean, they do so some do more we, stuff for, we need, for... Is there like an Uber for economists? <laughs> Million dollar idea. 
Another. We're going to cut all this out and we're going to yeah. go start that company because that makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's called Stack Exchange. I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but they do. I mean, they do similar stuff for uh, for drugs in the past, and I know that like the gun buyback programs have, uh, at least in certain cases, the gun buyback programs have been successful. Uh, so yeah, no, it's interesting. It's not a, not not, not a crazy idea. Uh, it just. It, I, just, I guess I just uh, need to, need to be an economist to understand it. That's all. So anyway, speaking of uh, <clears throat> speaking of paying people to do stuff, uh, we got some. Uh, I understand there are some advertising opportunities available on the Ohio Turnpike. Yeah, yeah. This this just hit the wire today. Um, and so bad news for Sean Walls is that he cannot sponsor the entire Ohio Turnpike and get the naming rights for it. So like the SCAP Security Guide Turnpike. Um, mm-hmm. But what he can do is is that. Um, uh, that he could do ads, um, and I think he can like sponsor exits and things like that. Ooh, that's kind of fun. So it could be like uh, the mm-hmm. uh, the the SCAP Security Guide Memorial Cleveland off ramp, like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So 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 Dave, uh, can do you think uh, there are any Dave and Gunner show sponsorship opportunities available for us in the Ohio Turnpike? Or actually, a new better question is Probably. which off ramp? Which off ramp should we sponsor? On the Ohio Turnpike, what would be the most appropriate for the David Gunner show? Yeah, you know, like Toledo. <laughs> Toledo. There is actually uh, uh, the Turnpike is very close to my house, um, so we could do that exit. Nice. Maybe you could uh, maybe you could buy uh, buy an advertisement on one of the exits uh, to uh, drive attendance to the uh, the Akron Lug meeting um, that uh, Lauren's presenting at mm-hmm. on September fourth. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. So that's coming up. Yep. Lauren. So we talked early at the top of the show about Lauren's uh, article on opensource.com and the, the juggling uh, app that she wrote um, uh, using uh, uh, um, juggling clubs, not juggling pins. Um, and, and uh, so she'll be presenting on that. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, yeah. Cool. Is she excited? Is it uh, like, is this like a thing that she's like, she has to prep a lot for, or she feel like after having written the article, she's probably pretty, pretty well, pretty well prepared, right? Yeah. It's, it's just a matter of, yeah, she's, she's pretty solid. And it's just a matter of, uh, we're going to, he's actually going to let Lauren borrow the, the whole getup, um, to, to demo. Uh, so we're, we got to swing by his house and pick it up and, uh, just, uh, and, and demo it up. So oh. we're excited. Oh wait, oh wait, hold on a second. So does that mean that Lauren is actually going to be juggling? Nope. Nope. Um she will she will like press a button and, and have all the Does that mean pins. you're gonna be juggling? Nope. Nope. We could have Tom Water come up. Because he, he's a juggler. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <clears throat> yeah. Yes, and seems to have so many opinions about how these about how this thing should work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great exactly. idea. Exactly. So I'm looking forward to seeing Lauren and uh Lauren and Todd Warner at the uh at the Akron Lug meeting on September fourth. Yep. That'd be great. Yeah. So if if you wanted to call Todd to have him come to the uh, uh, Akron Lodge meeting, what what would you do? How how would you do it? Yeah. So no, I got it. so. And this is another thing that just hit the wire uh, just a couple hours ago before we recorded. Apparently, there's this uh, there's this new hack, um, and it involves your mobile phone and a very clever URL um, that is meant to make it easier to dial phone numbers. So. Uh, so everybody should so get their phone out right now. If you're on your yeah, phone, pull your phone out. Everybody get their phone out and uh, go to digishow.org. And in the show notes, there's going to be a link. And that link 
uh, is going to be a uh, when you click that link uh, it will send your phone to the dialer um, and you will dial the Red Hat 800 number so pretty mm-hmm. cool right like yeah. pretty handy um, so it's you know tel colon slash so instead of HTTP you say tel colon slash slash and then a phone number and on a mobile phone both iOS and Android you can click on it and it'll it'll dial the phone now if you do this in the regular browser it'll say uh, click uh, you click on it and it'll say oh hey I'm about to dial a phone number is that cool with you um, but if you uh, use the web browser that's embedded inside a third-party application like say Google Plus or uh, or the Facebook uh, Messenger app mm-hmm. um, if you click that link it will not ask you for permission and will just go ahead and dial the number hmm so think of all the damage you can do with this right so uh, I can have people dial embarrassing 900 numbers um, I can have people dial a phone number that I control and now I can collect all of their phone numbers um, even if they've explicitly you know not given that to me um uh, what a what a what a nightmare what a what a disaster um so anyway moral of the story is uh be super careful uh clicking on links when you're not exactly sure where they're going um because they could in fact uh go dial you know an embarrassing mm-hmm. 100 number yep yep stay safe out there especially if you're talking to me yep <laughs> stay safe out there that's right <laughs> uh cool uh so i guess that means as soon as we're done recording this, I got to go unplug everything and uh, uh, and uh, hide it all. I guess submerge it all in the bathtub to keep myself safe. <laughs> yes, that's, that's that's my takeaway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need and, and lay <laughs> a, a, a a Faraday blanket on top of it, on top of the tub. It matches the pajamas. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so, Dave, if uh, if folks want more information about uh, Faraday pajamas, uh, if they need uh, if they want to see a demonstration of this mm-hmm. uh, of this telephony hack that we just described uh what what website are they going to go to they need to go to dgshow.org so it's d's and dave g's and gunner show.org that's great um so dave uh i will talk to you next week yeah yeah thanks thanks gunner thanks everybody thanks everyone
Thank you.